Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you on this Labor Day weekend, holiday weekend, Sunday. I'm Reverend Jeff. For those of you I haven't had a chance to meet, it's so good to be worshiping together. Most weeks of the year, as you probably know, we are doing sermon series. It'll be multiple weeks in a row where we are talking about the same theme, the same topic. And we just finished one up on frequently asked questions. Next week, we will look at uh, a new Welcome Home Fixer Upper sermon series. But today, we're in between series. On this Labor Day weekend, we're kind of standing in the gap and we're taking a pause, taking a breath, and coming together as one church body, one community, for a service to worship and pray together. I think there's a natural rhythm that typically comes with a Labor Day weekend. For most people, it's kind of the unofficial end of summer. Maybe you're taking final trips or, or one last outing. Fall activities are beginning. You're getting your feet under you. You've figured out the rhythm. And we take a breath before we hit the ground running with whatever the fall has in store for us. And I was thinking about this image, this attitude, as I was preparing for this morning, and I thought about the phrase, the calm before the storm. But that doesn't necessarily always ring true in my life, and maybe not theologically, so I wanted to talk about the calm and the storm, and what that means for us as Christians, because I think Jesus gives us an image a story, a narrative about how to navigate these situations together. So we'll read a passage from Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 23, about Jesus calming a storm. It's one of the most popular stories from Scripture. And what's happened is Jesus has been performing a few miracles, and uh, the crowd is growing, and they jump into a boat to head to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And we'll pick up right there in verse 23. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed after him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Pray with me. God, I thank you that you are with us in the storm that you are powerful over the wind and the waves and help us in this hour, in this time of worship to see you more clearly, to love you more dearly and follow you more nearly. Speak to us and guide us. Amen. Storms are scary. I don't have to think hard to remember many times driving in the car When the bottom opens out and you're driving through pouring down rain, white knuckling it because you can't see far ahead of you at all. Driving a little bit slow, it's a stressful, it's a tense time. 
doesn't take a lot of imagining to remember times when storms are coming through town and the family gathers together in the lowest uh, floor of the house so that you can weather the storm together. We know what these physical storms look like, but probably more often what we face are the metaphorical storms of life. And you know what these are. Maybe it's a day, a crazy day. Maybe it's a season of life that you go through. Things are hectic. Work is crazy. Family members, maybe they're sick. Maybe it's Uh, Even good things that are going on. But you have to plan for all the things that are going on. Managing different people's expectations, relationships. Storms are ever present in our life. And here we get in the Bible a passage telling us what it means to be with Jesus in the middle of a storm. Now, like most passages in the Bible, we can understand this much better if we actually zoom out just a little bit and look at the context of this passage. So what's going on before the disciples are in a boat with Jesus in a storm? Jesus begins his ministry in Matthew preaching. He preaches the Sermon on the Mount, possibly, definitely, the greatest teaching of all time. And it goes from, for three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, 7, Jesus teaching and teaching. And following that, he begins performing miracles. He goes around town. He's healing people. He's doing incredible works. You can only imagine at this point in time, Jesus is becoming a pretty popular guy. People are The crowds are gathering. People are showing up to follow Jesus. And then we hear two stories. Two individuals who want to follow Jesus. I have to imagine that they see this guy, incredible teacher, preacher, performing miracles, and they have to be thinking to themselves, that's the guy I want to follow. Because if I follow him, maybe I'll be immune to the storms of life. Maybe I'll be the beneficiary of all these blessings that are going on if I can just be around him. But Jesus tells them that being a Christian or following him doesn't make you immune to the storms of life. And these individuals become would-be followers. They go home because following Jesus isn't exactly what they imagined it would be. Jesus explains this, and then he and his disciples jump in a boat. So the faithful climb into the boat, start going to the other side of the sea or lake, and we read in the text that suddenly a furious storm comes up. And isn't that the way it happens in our life It's sudden and it's fierce. Unexpectedly, a storm can arise and it can be all-consuming in our lives. And it turns out the storm didn't discriminate. It didn't matter that Jesus was on the boat. The storm still came. But Jesus was there with the disciples I think for us as Christians today, we can recognize the fact that just because we are followers of Christ doesn't mean 
we will be immune from bad things happening to us. But regardless, Jesus is still with us. Even if it seems like he's unconcerned, sleeping in the bottom of the boat, he's still there, ready to respond when we call out. So as followers of Jesus, our response is to cry out when we are facing the storms of life. Now, I've seen the impact of this action. I've seen the difference that it makes to pray and pray on someone else's behalf when the storms of life come. Every week in worship, and we just did it, we pray for church members by name. We tell you that you can submit your prayer request to this church and we will be in prayer for you. Not too long ago, a congregant walked into my office with a binder. You could see notes poking out from the sides. It was overflowing and he opened it up. Notes poured across my desk and he talked about the difference that it made to know that his church family was praying for him when he was in the storms of life. I got another call from someone who was battling cancer. Said that they got a prayer note from somebody in this congregation with a Bible verse in it. And they cut out that Bible verse and stuck it in their purse and took it with them every single time they went to the oncologist. And it was a tangible, a physical reminder of God's presence with her as she faced the storms of life. That is the difference that it makes to be in a community of faith, to be a follower of Christ. When we face difficult situations, we have the very tangible and intangible awareness that Jesus is with us. Following Jesus can bring a calm during the storm of life. But it can do that for us today, and it also did it for the disciples that day on the boat. After Jesus calmed this storm, uh, did you notice how the disciples responded? They asked a question. What kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's after this storm had passed by that the disciples took a step back. And they looked at what had happened and surveyed and considered, reflected, what does this mean? What does it mean that Jesus was with us in the midst of the storm? Sometimes perspective helps our understanding. I think it was this moment for the disciples that they gained even better understanding of who Jesus was. Remember, they had seen Jesus preach. They knew there was wisdom to gather from following Christ. They had seen Jesus perform miracles. They knew that there was some kind of healing, some kind of wholeness that can come from following Christ. But here, Jesus is powerful over the very cosmos. The wind and the waves... The world around them respond to who Jesus was. Maybe this man is also divine. Now, we as Christians today have the benefit of 
a couple thousand years of reflection on who Jesus is. And we know Jesus is fully human and fully divine. But for the disciples, this was a moment where they understood him a little bit. They were understanding him better, but they weren't at full realization of who Jesus was. And don't we do the same thing? Don't we take a step back occasionally? Look at our life and look at the ways that Christ has been at work in and around us and gain a better understanding of who Jesus is once we have some perspective. This line that the wind and the waves obey Jesus, that is not a throwaway line. It comes with a rich tradition, a connotation of this imagery in the Bible. We know that from the very beginning, the power of God is way beyond our control, just as the forces of nature are, that we are very small in comparison. Yet when you go back to the very second verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-2, we read about how the world was formless and void. It's a chaotic place. There's wind and waves, but there's God's Spirit hovering over the water. And when God speaks, order comes into the world. That God is powerful over the forces of nature that seem so much greater than anything we could control. And this reality that God is greater than the chaotic forces of nature comes to us again and again throughout the Bible. The Psalms, the songs that God's people have always sang to worship God, tells this story. One of the Psalms 107 tells stories about people in various seasons or phases of life. It begins by talking about how people wander through the wilderness but can find God. It talks about people being in darkness but finding a light. It talks about people rebelling against God but then being able to experience God's forgiveness. And then Psalm 107 talks about people who are going through the storms of life. And we read in Psalm 107, starting at verse 23, these words. Some went out into the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted the waves high. They mounted up on the heavens and went down into the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let us give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. And his wonderful deeds for mankind, let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. This is hundreds of years before Jesus calms the sea. We read a psalm about how God does that very thing. 
In this passage, we see that Jesus is doing what God has always done. And what are we as God's people called to do in response? Give God praise. Exalt him when we come out on the other side of the storm. And God brings a calm into our life, a calm into the lives of others. And then God can also use us to bring calm to others. One of my favorite ministries here at Northside is something you've already heard about this morning. It's our disaster response team. They're individuals in this church who have, for the most part, been trained to go out into the areas of uh, our surrounding community that have been affected by natural disasters, who have seen a physical and literal storm in their community. And we help with that recovery effort. Before this upcoming up weekend, the most recent trips we've taken were down to Noonan to help them recover from the tornadoes a few months ago. And we took five different trips and we sent over 20 people to go and help out Noonan in response to the tornadoes that hit that area. All of these teams were led by Mark Brown, who will be leading our other team headed to Waverly, Tennessee this weekend. I do hope that you will be praying for them because this work makes a difference. After that first trip they took down to Noonan, uh, the team came back and shared this story. It was a Thursday when they got down there. They brought their chainsaw. They were prepared to remove debris and tarp some houses. They began organizing and started their work when they saw a woman and her daughter coming around the corner. They thought perhaps this could be the homeowner here and let's go and talk. Well, it was just a neighbor who wanted to come and help, but they were worried about safety, so they settled on the neighbors removing the debris and helping uh, our team as we cut things up. They worked for a little while, and they noticed 15 more people coming around the corner. So they went up to that group and asked what they were doing. Well, this particular group was at a neighborhood nearby. They were unaffected by the tornadoes, but got together and knew they needed to help. They needed to be a part of bringing a calm to the community. So they too jumped in on removing debris. And every time our team cut through a branch, they looked up and there was a new volunteer ready to assist. The next day they were tarping houses. And they were tarping roofs. Getting the houses settled and they turned around, a group of 30 people had come to support them, to remove more debris, to provide food, to provide water. And I imagine it had to look a little bit like the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. The community surrounded that area. God worked through Northside's team worked through the hearts of those involved to bring a calm, to bring a good from a situation that was a terrible thing. We know that God does not cause a disaster. God does not cause the storms that come in our life. That happens. Regardless of the fact that we are Christian, these things happen. 
but God can still use us to bring calm to the world around us. After this happens, when Jesus was on the boat, he turned to the disciples and said, Why are you afraid? This doesn't mean the storms aren't scary. But it does mean that Jesus isn't worried. It means Jesus is right beside us. No matter what you are facing, Jesus is by your side. And the storms are always more manageable when you have someone with you. Be it Jesus or your church family. Jesus speaks into the storms of life. And in this situation, he did indeed cause the wind and the waves, the physical aspects of the world around us to calm down. But he also speaks into our spirit and can bring a calm to our heart. And so we cry out to Jesus in response. We call on Jesus to bring a calm to the storm, the storm around us, the storm within us, and bring calm through us. So this morning, as we stand in the gap between uh, the summer and the fall, we might be able to see a storm on the horizon. Yet we have hope. Jesus is with us, and Jesus is bigger than the storm. Pray with me. Jesus, we claim your presence in this place at this time. We know you are with us no matter what our circumstances are. We know that in every time and every season, you are for us. You love us, you forgive us, you give us your presence and your peace, and you are powerful over whatever forces the world can send our way. You always have the final word. God, you have been in this world from the very beginning, and you are with us now. You will go beyond us. And so we rest very securely in your hands this morning, knowing there's no safer place to be than in your arms. It's in your name we pray. Amen.